Good afternoon. Welcome to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. I hustle all the time. I never let up. I was on the fan morning show at 7 o'clock this morning with the Grinders. Did JD's show for an hour yesterday as well. What I'm saying is I wouldn't lollygag out of the batter's box. Because I'm not a lollygagger. Derek. Lollygag the ball around the end. There you go. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you? Larry. Lollygaggers. 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 Uh, it wasn't quite that bad, but the story of last night's game nationally was the New York Yankees clinching the American League East division, maybe tangentially to that getting to celebrate at Rogers Center a day after Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had walked them off and said, this is my house. Good to get the competitive juices uh, going like that ahead of the playoffs. The other story was that the Blue Jays cost themselves that game. They lose five to two. Aaron Judge walks four times. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that more uh, a little bit later. Uh, also had a rocket of a line out to Matt Chapman to start the game. Jose Brios struggles a little bit again. Maybe they left him in too long. Jose Brios, of course, also dealing with a lot of very real stuff that's bigger than baseball with respect to family being uh, relocated and things like that. He spoke about that a little bit after the game, not as an excuse making, but let's be honest, that is uh, that's bigger right now for him and his family. Um, so all the best to them. Now, on the J side, on the hitting side, there were some mistakes, and not even on the hitting side, on the position player side, because there were a couple of mistakes in the field as well. Um, a ball that drops into the outfield that Bobachet probably should have had, and him and George Springer clearly miscommunicated on either way. Uh, a throwing error after that. And then a couple mistakes on the base pass. The Blue Jays could have had a really big inning to come back. It was, they had enough hits to get a rally going and Bo Bichette doubles and does the thing where you readjust in your seat and your butt comes off the seat just a little bit and someone tags you out while you're doing that. He did the, the little brother, big brother thing of, well, I'm just going to keep my glove on you and eventually you will step off the base a little bit and I'll call you out. It's the rule he was out, a little bit of a silly rule, um, kind of a spirit versus letter of the law thing there. Still a mistake, and it can't be made in big spots. Right after that, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. singles. It looked like maybe it was going to get out. Vlad certainly thought so, so he wasn't, wasn't going full bore out of the batter's box. Tries to make up for it by stretching a single into a double or turning a double back into a double thrown out at second base, not even particularly close. So two outs at second base in the same inning that could have otherwise been a rally. And that was the game. The Jays never really threatened again after that. And we'll go through some stats throughout the show today that highlight that the Jays have been, it's not anecdotal. Sometimes when a, a team does something that's, you know, a mental lapse fans can, Sometimes overstate it. You don't watch every other team 162 games or 82 games or whatever it is. So when your team does it, it feels way bigger and it feels like it's unique to them. The base running stuff statistically is real. The Jays are a bad base running team. And we can chop that up a couple of different ways. We'll also hear from John Schneider very briefly on Vlad's mistake uh, a little bit later. 
We're going to talk to Sarah Langs of MLB.com at 3.30. We've got some new StatCast toys that not only can help us evaluate the arm strength of different Blue Jays, but maybe the next layer is deciding or being able to determine just how bad a decision was that for Vlad. Because we have outfielder arm strength. We have base runner speed now. Uh, maybe we can piece those together. We're also going to talk to Keith McPherson of MLB Network at 4. He is, regrettably, a Yankees guy. But he is just a great baseball guy and basketball guy and a good hang. So we'll talk to him about the Yankees side of things, see w- what the Yankees think of the Jays after these two games. Right now, though, we're on full poncho watch. It's our friend Caitlin McGrath of the Athletic of the Spin Rate podcast. Caitlin, did you manage to secure a poncho for the potential playoff berth clinch tonight? I did. I was successful in my poncho pursuit, and uh, I actually bought a couple because they were pretty good price. Um, I checked out a few stores while I had time, and (laughs) And uh, obviously sought out the best deal possible. And, uh, yeah, so I have a few, which will come in handy potentially for a couple celebrations or also just to lend out to my colleagues because I'm just a nice person like that. Well, I will say, so the the backstory here on why the poncho thing is, well, it's not funny necessarily, but our, our friend Lindsay Adler, who covers the Yankees for The Athletic, um, had me grab her a poncho on my way to the stadium the other day um, because the Yankees could have clinched and she didn't want to get her clothes soaked. And I, I shared with her during the Raptors championship run or during their championship celebration, Danny Green sprayed a bunch of us with champagne. And I thought it might be cool that like the jacket I had would be sprayed with championship champagne. It smelled so bad so quickly after I got back to Toronto that yeah, the poncho is the right move. So Caitlin, the, Blue Jays can clinch a playoff spot tonight with a win and a Baltimore loss. Mm -hmm. They came into the season with the expectation that they would make the playoffs. They came in the season even as American League East favorites and in some places World Series favorites. Is clinching a playoff spot celebration worthy? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think you have to just celebrate accomplishing this. I mean, as much as maybe the expectations... Uh, a few months ago were higher for these Blue Jays. Baseball is a very tough sport. Um, A lot of things can happen. They play a ton of games. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons I think you see so many celebrating in baseball, maybe more so than other sports when it comes to just like getting into the postseason, because it's such a grind of a season. They play every single day. They play so many games and it is like a marathon. I know that's kind of a, cliche that everyone rolls their eyes out but honestly like it feels like such a long way to get there and so I think it is celebration worthy and you know knowing what these Jays have gone through for the last couple of years not getting to play at home um, over two seasons having a weird year last year falling just short of the postseason so they didn't get to celebrate you know at all because they didn't make it so I think like with all that context and just like knowing this team how things have come together for them and you know they're finally really on the cusp of what they want to do and what they accomplish and what they want to accomplish the first step of that yeah I think they should celebrate and I've I've heard that John Schneider manager has told them like celebrate everything celebrate as much as you guys want like you kind of you've earned it so 
this might be the first celebration, but honestly, if they clinch like a first wild card spot, they might be celebrating again, honestly. They may be, and we'll we'll see how that goes. You know, you prefer to, obviously you prefer to clinch as early as possible anyway. Uh, you also probably prefer to clinch today because you're off tomorrow. It's your last off day of uh, of the regular season, so so that wouldn't hurt either. Um, Caitlin, do you have a favorite heist movie? Oh, um, and I promise I'm going somewhere with this. No, <laughs> maybe is um, Ocean's Eleven a, a heist movie? Absolutely, it is. Okay, then I'll pick that one because it's the first one that came to mind, and I do like that movie. Okay, it is a good movie. Um, obviously, the title suggests that they need eleven people to pull off the heist that they pull off. Um, how many reporters do you think I could get to help me? with the heist of um, the the champagne supply that's that's mm. ready, the unnamed brand beer supply that is at the ready for a potential scenario like that? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't want to, like, you know, call out any colleagues here, but I think there's a couple of us that would be, you know, into grabbing some champagne for ourselves. Yeah. Maybe they can hand some out to us, too, after, <laughs> after we all file our stories and get all the jobs done. Maybe we can celebrate a little bit, too. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think you need at least, like, eight. Eight. Okay. I think we could get eight. I think we could round up eight. We'll see how we'll see how the evening goes. We'll see how the game goes. We'll also see if Baltimore and Boston ends early enough for us to even really know. Like, there's a scenario with the Jays game starting five minutes uh, before the Red Sox Orioles game where the Jays win and then have to just kind of like stand there chilling, waiting for the Orioles game uh, to result. Um, either way, so Caitlin, you said John Schneider wants his team to celebrate small things. It's a long season. There are a lot of ups and downs. Now, John Schneider was, had to sing a more serious tune last night because in addition to the loss, the Jays kind of stepped on their own toes a handful of times during that game. Now, obviously, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. getting thrown out at second base was uh, the most notable one, but there were a handful of gaps in general. Um, we're not too far removed from Teoscar Hernandez having one, um, well, having a bunch during that Angels series, but um, I think it was Monday night where he hit a double, but had the cutoff man identified it. He was done at second base. Um, what was the the kind of mood or tone of John Schneider after the game last night uh, with this Jays team, you know, missing a couple beats when it comes to being playoff ready? Yeah, I think he struck um, sort of a serious tone, but I also didn't think he blew it out of proportion in any way i mean he noted it he said um pretty bluntly that vlad needs to run out of the box that's unacceptable um but he also kind of when questioned about it a little more um he also kind of took the perspective of like you know vlad girl jr is still young and he'll be fine and he'll learn from this and you know that he'll talk to him and then we'll move on and it won't happen again and you know what i mean so it wasn't as if it um, it needed to be said, and obviously he said it to us, the media. Presumably he said it to Vlad, um, maybe during the game, or um, and he was said he was going to talk to him more after the game when he saw him, um, and then kind of moved on from it, honestly. So I think it was the right tone. Um, you don't want to see that, and I think it's unfortunate in some regard that it happened almost two nights in a row because I don't know that I've – seen them do that a lot I wouldn't necessarily say that that has been a, a season-long issue for them of like you know admiring all their long balls um it, it 
seems to have cropped up in the last couple of days, weirdly, uh, on these balls that, you know, just haven't gone out. Maybe because the roof isn't open um, or hasn't been open. Maybe when the roof is open, those balls do squeak over just <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I have no idea. But um, so it's just been a little weird. Uh, but, yeah, you, you know, you want to reinforce those fundamentals. You want to give a reminder that and everyone's excited. Everyone's grinding. You know, the Jays know they're right there. They're obviously kind of really itching to win a couple of games here so they can just get into the postseason. So you kind of get it. Um, but also, like, you, as a manager, you do need to, you know, make sure that guys are held accountable and, and make sure that those mistakes, um, you know, just don't don't go unnoticed, you know? Absolutely. And I think you're right about Schneider's tone and they're, you know, being realistic about what 162 games is like. Your your brain's going to shut off a couple times over that course. Um, I guess the, the issue that I why it feels like a more of an issue to me than and, and you know me, Caitlin, I, I tend to be pretty reasonable in my response to things. Last night was a little frustrating for me in large part because the night before Vlad has a walk off and it's the this is my house moment and then the lack of attention to detail like that the very next night and you know I I dug into some numbers and I don't think like there's no way for us to quantify like hey how often do the Jays mess up on the base pass where it's an egregious mistake like that but we can quantify some things and they are among the worst base running teams in baseball when it comes to things like um, stolen base percentage or getting thrown out at second base on non-stolen base situations or you know, not getting, not connecting on the opportunity to take an extra base, things like that. Um, they are the worst playoff team in terms of all the available base running metrics we have. Does that concern you at all? And, and to be completely clear, that that is a less important factor than hitting, than pitching, than fielding. Base running is a smaller part of the game in relative terms. But it to me, it strikes me that's something you can control as a team, that's effort and attention and decision-making based. Um, and, and I guess my worry, Caitlin, is, you know, if that's something the team's still lacking a little bit, you know, can you figure it out in time? Can you lock in in time for playoffs a week from now? I mean, it's probably a little bit too late to change the identity of your team. I mean, the, the Jays are not ever going to be like, or certainly not going to be this year, like the Guardians who has made a habit um, or basically their whole identity is kind of creating chaos on the bases and, and going first to third every time. And they're pretty speedy. I think so that's the thing with the Jays. Like they're not a very fast team. Um, they have a couple of guys that can get up there a little bit in speed, but certainly not most of them. Um, and there has been a weird, almost inexplicable in some ways um, dip in, in some of their base stealing abilities. I know Bo, for his first couple of years was excellent at it. And he just has not been as successful this year. Um, Santiago Espinal is another player. I think hasn't been as successful. Teoscar Lord, like a lot of them have not been as successful. as They have been in the past. I don't know if they've lost a bit of speed. You wouldn't think so uh, in terms of their age. I mean, they're not really in the decline mode yet. Um, I just don't know if they're not getting as good reads. If it's just been a weird season trend for them i have no clue maybe it's something they have to dig into um in the off season certainly base running is never going to be or was never really intended to be the blue jays identity so as you kind of noted like i don't know that it's a huge issue at this point in the sense that like they still have a lot of power they still have a really good offense they have good pitching all this kind of stuff and those are things that really really matter the postseason so i think it's going to be more so the attention to detail and just making sure that you're not making those mistakes and you're not giving uh teams the outs um those easy outs 
so it's not necessarily, you know, trying to get faster, trying to steal more bases. It's just eliminating that margin for error, you know, eliminating those mistakes and all that attention to detail, I think, is what they'll have to pay attention to. You mentioned John Schneider a, a couple times here, and obviously he's uh, he's a part of that. And, and part of why the Blue Jays thought John Schneider would be able to take over midseason is he's had a relationship with these guys for years now, coming up through the minors. And, and we've heard you've written about, um, you know, how there's a, a level of communication that John Schneider possesses that fosters, you know, trust in those relationships. When you look at what these next couple weeks or, or the next month could look like, how helpful do you think it is that John Schneider has gone through this in the minor leagues with this same core? Now, obviously, it's much more pressure up here in the majors than a double-A championship or a high-A championship. Um, but do you think he's going to lean on the experience of having been through this with these guys when it comes to knowing what button to press or, or how hard to press uh, on a thing like a, a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. base running error? Yeah, I think it actually is really helpful. Um, even yesterday, we were talking to John Schneider before the game, and uh, I kind of asked him, like, does it does it help that you kind of know the personality of these guys? And his answer was like, yeah, because he knows what guys he can, you know, kick in the butt a little bit when they need it. He knows what guys actually need a pat on the back when those things happen. You know what I mean? So he knows how the players operate. He knows how to get the best out of them, and he knows how to – uh, communicate and to get a message across to them both as a group, but individually as well. Like he knows how to, you know, the way that you send a message to Vlad might be different how, than how you send a message to, um, you know, Bo or Teoscar or anyone else on the roster. Right. So I think that will be very useful for him and it's going to be helpful. It's in his back pocket. He's going to know you know, how to get the best out of them, how to communicate with them. Um, he's been through these, you know, exciting, stressful times with a lot of them. And, and then they kind of know what to expect from him as well, I'm sure. It goes both ways, right? Like they can kind of maybe anticipate what he might say or what he might be looking for, or they kind of know I've got to do this because he, he holds us accountable to this, you know, or we got to play like this way because that's what he expects. So, I think it goes both ways, but I do think it's a good point, and I do think it will be very helpful, actually, that um, you know that that a core of this group and have gone through this together with Schneider. So there is an opportunity for the Blue Jays to clinch a playoff spot tonight. Their mm-hmm. magic number is down to two. They can obviously only control one of that two. They need Baltimore to lose as well. Otherwise, they could clinch on an off day tomorrow, or they could clinch um, Friday or something like that. They're going to clinch at some point. Um, In tonight's game, what are you expecting from this Blue Jays team? Because obviously it's not... You know, it's not like they can go out there and be physical or out-hustle the other team in, in the way that you maybe can in other sports, but the Yankees... And not in overdone fashion or anything like that. I don't mean this that way. But the Yankees got to celebrate winning a division that the Jays had eyes on last night at Rogers Center. And, you're, you know, maybe there's a, a, a hangover aspect for the Yankees, depending on how they celebrated after. Um, but I'd imagine that that stung a little bit for any Blue Jays that reflected back on where they were at the start of the season. And, and again, been a successful season. You can't really control the Yankees having an historic start to the year. Um, but do you think that stung a little bit for them to see that across the diamond? And do you think we see any reaction to that in tonight's game? 
sure it did. Um, you know, I think that realistically, um, at least most of us kind of writing about it and watching this team knew the division was not going to happen. Um, players and teams, I think, don't think the same way. Um, so, well, I think most of the players probably realized like they weren't going to win the division, especially as the last couple of weeks have played out. Um, but I think they they wanted to not see the Yankees celebrate on their turf. They even said that on Monday night, like we want to win all three so they don't get to celebrate here. Didn't happen. Um, and so, yeah, it might sting a little bit, but obviously the Jays can really quickly, um, you know, make that sting go away by being able to celebrate themselves. Um, as you say, it's not completely in their control in the sense that they do have to hope for a loss tonight from Baltimore and, uh, let me tell you, I've sat through a lot of games at Fenway, and those don't go quickly. <laughs> so <laughs> I am, am not bank. I think the game yesterday was like uh, like an hour longer than the Jays one, maybe. I know it was a wild game. There's a lot of scoring happening in that game. So it uh, depends how that one goes today. But uh, I think there will be probably a bit of a waiting period um, to see what happens uh, today because I would I would bet a lot of money that the Jays game would finish well ahead of the game in Boston, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the Jays maybe a little bitter yesterday about that loss, about what it meant for the Yankees getting that win and all that. But I, like I said, they can kind of quickly turn that into a celebration and put it in the back of their mind if they get the job done and they could celebrate today or I guess Friday. It would be weird if they clinched on Thursday. I was trying to get to the bottom of like what they would do on the off day yesterday and I didn't get a straight answer, but Certainly some some of the staff have thought about it. I just don't know what the plan would be. Yeah, like that's your one like that's your last day. And I would imagine this holds all through the playoffs because the schedule doesn't allow many off days and you're probably at the park on an off day anyway. That's your probably your last like true off day for the year. Like your next off day is the day you clean out your locker and go home. So uh, I don't know if I'd want to come into the office on that day for me. Um, Caitlin, I'm sure we'll talk to you again before the playoff series, but I, I wanted to ask you quickly before we let you go, what is the biggest question for you in determining this team's wild card roster? Like if we sat down right now and drew out who the 26 are, what is the biggest question mark for you? Or the biggest thing you're curious about how this front office and John Schneider go? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if I've really thought about it. I mean, I guess it's also a little bit hard to answer until we kind of know who they play, because mm-hmm. I think that will really depend on how they do things. I mean, I guess I'm curious which maybe starters are left off of it. Like, could we see a scenario where like Jose Brios is not on the wild card roster? I don't know. Probably not because I think that there, you would get to a game three scenario where you would want like all hands on deck. And so you might go into that thinking like, okay, we'll, we'll use stripling, but then we also have Brios to come out of the bullpen if we need him or something. So then maybe it is a guy like Kikuchi probably being left off the wild card roster. Cause you might not need that extra arm. Um, and obviously there's, questions as to when you would really want to use him in the postseason um so i think it's probably that for me i think i could probably pretty easily figure out what what relievers they're going to take um and as for position players it's pretty much a given and the extra one is probably you know zimmer for his speed um jackie bradley jr as well uh but yeah i guess it's the starter situation and who who stays um on the roster and who's not on the roster is probably i guess the main question mark for me and Tonight, Mitch White will go. He'll get this start, and he'll probably get one more. Um, is he one of those guys on the bubble for you that, like, it, maybe it requires 
um, you know, a Kikuchi being left off or something like that. Like Mitch White, I don't know, on paper when we talk about what Mitch White is or what he's supposed to be, like I, I like that on a playoff roster, one guy out of the bullpen who can give you some length, um, but he's really only had one or two strong outings as a Blue Jay. Um, do you think he's kind of over these next two starts pitching for his roster spot as well? Probably. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. And I think that if you were looking at uh, the decision between like a Coochie and a Mitch White in the sense that they were probably giving you a similar thing in the postseason, as much as you're a little maybe worried about Coochie and, and understandably so, the upside is still there, right? Like we've seen him come out of the bullpen and like hit a batter and then like strike out the side. Um, so he still has the swing and miss stuff that you kind of like to have. And obviously from the left side as well, it's pretty useful because they don't have a lot of lefties in their bullpen. So um, I would say that me personally, I would almost still kind of lean to Kikuchi just because of that alluring upside, even though I, I know what the downside is. Um, but yeah, Mitch White could probably put, um, make the decision harder, I guess, over his next two starts. Well, let's uh, look that the harder he makes the decision, the more that's a good problem having to pick between effective pitchers. So let's uh, let's hope it goes that way. Kayla McGrath of the athletic of the spin rate podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time out. Thank you. It's Kayla McGrath of the athletic spin rate podcast. Make sure you check out all her great work. She had a, a good piece on last night's game and, and that despite the disappointment, the Jays still have an opportunity to do something special tonight. Get back to the postseason for the first time since 2016, unless you count the 2020 expanded field, which is, I don't know, maybe postseason with an asterisk. But I, I'm going to I'm going to create a new rule. If your playoff series lasts less than 24 hours, um, you have the option to not count it as a postseason appearance. Uh, no disrespect to the old one game wildcard format. Uh, the Jays can clinch a wildcard spot tonight. The focus will then turn to, can you clinch home field advantage? Um, after last night, they're one and a half up on Tampa. They're three up on Seattle. And again, six and a half up on Baltimore, which means the magic numbers down to two. A Jays win and a Orioles loss. And you're in. Or two Jays wins or two Orioles losses. However you get there. Um, the Jays also playing for home field. And in my estimation, you want that home field locked up before, with some level of certainty at least, before you get to that Baltimore series next week, because that allows you to prioritize rest and off days and setting up your rotation in the way you prefer rather than playing down to the wire and then only having one day off to kind of reset things. Uh, we're going to reset. We're going to take a break. When we come back on the other side, it's Sarah Langs of MLB.com. Uh, we've got some new StatCast metrics to play with and to evaluate this Blue Jays defense. And we're going to spin that into trying to evaluate some of the base running blunders of late. Sarah Langs next on Jays Talk Plus on Sports at 590 The Fan. Starting Monday, be sure to tune into the J.D. Bunkus podcast weekday mornings at 9 on Sportsnet 590 The Fan or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. Jay's back in action tonight. 707 first pitch against the Yankees. It's Mitch White against Garrett Cole. It's Ben Wagner and Arden Zwelling on the call for you on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's me going for a third consecutive game. Wondering if I'll see 
history getting less and less likely as the the series goes and of course uh, you only want to see an Aaron Judge home run in a Jays victory but they do make games uh that teams win and it's not a shutout you're you're allowed to do that the Jays scored two runs yesterday and still lost that's uh the, that's the rules of baseball right there that's how that works so um big uh stats update for you by the way this comes from Chai Davidi of sportsnet.ca Looney Dog Night last night finally crossed the 50,000 threshold. 50,743 hot dogs down your collective gullet last night. Coming in at 1.25 hot dogs per. I had Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert on the Fan Morning Show had a bet about where that over-under would land. You need to hit 1.23 dogs per fan. Just just edging across. I'm just glad they got a shipment of buns in because they <laughs> ran out of those on Monday. Um, we're going to see if we can get uh, Sarah Langs in a little bit here. But for right now, I'm going to take some of your, your texts in the text line to 590-590. SJ from North York wants to know if John Schneider walks Aaron Judge every at-bat tonight, how fast would the civilians of Toronto need to mobilize and would you defend the ports or the QEW first? Uh, SJ, I'm trying to protect the ports first, first of all. You want to get stuck in traffic on the QEW and try to invade that way by, sure, good luck. Um, no, I'm I'm protecting the, the ports first. Um, but no, I, I don't think... First of all, it's not John Schneider's like unilateral decision to to walk a guy unless it's an intentional walk. Uh, the pitcher has something to say about the four walks last night. I did think the Jays were maybe a little um, a little passive, especially when pitchers got ahead in the count against Aaron Judge. But um, it's Aaron Judge. You're not going to throw him much to hit. The conversation around the league like a week ago was, why, how is Aaron Judge getting so much good stuff to hit? In this case... Uh, the Jays mostly stayed away, and the odd time that they did put one over the plate, Judge missed it, and they they got lucky. Barrios put a couple fastballs in the in the swing zone there and uh, didn't pay for it. So got away with it there. Four walks is four walks, though. Gary Carr <laughs> says uh, the only person happy with the decision to start Mitch White is Aaron Judge. Uh, if Schneider allows this, I will show the same respect and pass on the game. I mean, Gary, they need a fifth starter right now. Who do you want them to start? It's Mitch White or Yusei Kikuchi, or you call up someone from AAA and you've seen how that's gone every time. You could maybe do an opener, I guess, but not really. Like It's not, it's not like that does a, a ton for you. It, it gets you one less plate appearance with, Mitch White facing Aaron Judge, but that only really matters in a scenario where Mitch White gives you a really good outing and can go twice through an order plus anyway. And I don't think you're you're asking him for that unless the offense uh, gives you a big lead there. So I don't, there, there just aren't other options right now. Mark and Milton says, I'm so bitter about it. Worst day this year so far. I hate the Yankees so much. Mark, I'm sorry, man. Uh, I'm also not a fan of watching a division rival celebrate on your own uh, on your own turf. John from EG says there are still things to play for. Jays are trying to secure their position. Yankees are not. 
Oh, Yankees are not their friends. So throw judge. Absolutely nothing. Stay out of his wheelhouse. Um, be unapologetic if you walk them. Yeah, I mean, look, you're trying to win baseball games. This is why I was more than fine with the call on Monday to intentionally walk them. Actually thought it was the right call. Crunched some numbers that said that yesterday the four walks were pitching him very, very carefully. Now, you can look at David Phelps being up 1-2 and then not throwing a, a great pitch from there um, as tiptoeing around him maybe a little bit too much. But... You're trying to win baseball games. And if walking Aaron Judge is the right decision, I don't think anyone could be too, too upset with that. This isn't the Yankees walking Miguel Cabrera when he's on 2,999 hits in a game situation that doesn't call for it. Um, It's walking a guy in a game you're trying to win. So as long as it's that, I don't think anyone could be too, too upset. Dan from Georgetown says, if Mitch is back next year, I guarantee he'll be way better. Settle down He's got good stuff. I I agree, Dan. And part of why I was high on Mitch White, and I've said this a couple times and been, you know, roasted by a, a couple other hosts here at the station for it is um, I like what Mitch White has and what you can build with that long term. Um, some of the adjustments he has to make are difficult ones to do on the fly here during the middle of a, a playoff race. So I don't know that my confidence is super high. He's going to figure it out immediately, but there's a lot there to work with as a staff, as a development team, as a, a pitcher in Mitch White. So we'll see how that goes. Um, we'll get to some more texts later in the show. You can keep them coming to 590-590. Right now, though, we're joined by Sarah Langs of MLB.com, of Ballpark Dimensions, of Baseball Tonight. Sarah, happy new StatCast metric day. <laughs> Thank you. Happy new StatCast metric day to you as well. I love that. I was wondering if you're going to bring it up. So that answers my question. Of course, I'm going to bring it up. So if anyone didn't see over at BaseballSavant.com, MLB's StatCast page, uh, we now have leaderboards for arm strength. We can measure the arm quality of players at, at different positions and, and compare it around. That's always something that you know has felt like we should be able to quantify it, but it's more eye test related. Um I guess the big question here, Sarah, is did O'Neill Cruz demand this? Is this like purely an O'Neill Cruz development? Oh, my gosh, no. I want to give so much credit to Jason Bernard, Tom Tango, Mike Petrello, and so many other people working behind the scenes. They've been working on this for about three years. We have had the ability internally to track arm strength Sometimes if you're watching a game, you see a throw in individual instance. They'll tell you on the broadcast, hey, that was 95, whatever. But being able to put together overall averages for guys throughout multiple years and at different positions was a brand new thing. They did so much work on this, and I'm so glad. And it is so perfect. That when it finally comes to fruition, we have a guy like O'Neill Cruz, who I tweeted this out a little while ago. If you look at infielders who make throws, so sort of taking first baseman out of it, he is about four miles per hour faster on average on his max effort throws than any other infielder this year, which passes the eye test and is really, really fun. 
That is really fun. Um, I wanted to ask you, I, I want to put first baseman back into it. In fact, I only want to talk about first baseman. So we can mm-hmm. look at the arm strength across different positions and, and no surprise to anyone on average, right fielders throw the hardest, then center fielders, then mm-hmm. left fielders, then shortstops, then third baseman. It, it's exactly what you'd expect when you look at the dimensions of a, of a ballpark and who plays where over at first base, which is supposed to be the nobody has a arm or you don't really need an arm position. Mm-hmm. Toronto Blue Jays first baseman Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is so far ahead of every other first baseman. Uh, we've talked a couple times with you, with Mike Petriello, about Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s defense this year. Um, do you is arm strength something that you think comes into the into the equation when we're talking about something like, hey, is this guy headed for a Gold Glove this year? You know, it's definitely a huge boon to his credit, as you say. And for me, this comes from being a third baseman. You know, coming up, he was a third baseman. And if you look at his arm strength, it would be above average at, excuse me, at third base as well. And I think that tells you that he still has that third base athleticism. He still has that arm there. And if you think about plays where a first baseman is making a throw, you know, Sometimes it's a double play where he feels the ball is throwing back to the shortstop or the second baseman. Or what I think of is cutting off a throw, maybe from a right fielder and then gunning a guy down at home. And for him to be able to do those things, and as you said, be so far above the pack than any other first baseman, it's certainly something that distinguishes him And I wonder if the team looks at this and, you know, keeps in mind if there's ever a day Chapman has to sit, are we ever going to see Vlad at third base again? I don't think so, but it's good to know he can still make that throw really well. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of fun. Anytime he obviously gets a, a kick out of it too, and you can you can tell he he's eager to to throw the ball around when he gets the chance. Um, I want to ask you about another Jay. Let's let's crisscross the diamond here. Let's go over to third base. And Matt Chapman's defensive metrics have been a point of conversation this year because you know he's he has this reputation as a platinum glove level third baseman. That is one thousand percent the what the eye test still says. And some of the metrics about around his arm have said, well, yeah, he isn't having the best season throwing the ball. Um, outs above average has him 14th among third basemen right now. But when we look at arm strength, he's right up there near the top as well. Um, probably this is a case of we just need bigger sample sizes for for things like quality of throws from a third baseman. Um, but did did that give you any you know, renewed confidence that Matt Chapman's arm is still pretty fine over a third? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, one thing that stands out is that this metric goes back to 2020, Mm -hmm. which for him goes back to when he did deal with a shoulder injury. And if you take a look at his arm strength in 2020, it was 86.4 miles an hour. In 2021, 87, this year, 87.2. That kind of paints the picture of returning from an injury. And especially for a guy like him, we've seen this at the plate too. 
I mean, he was the guy who routinely was crushing the ball prior to that injury. And it takes a while for that strength in your arms to come back, to be able to throw the ball hard, also hit the ball hard. And I think we've seen this year that it's coming back at the plate as well. So if anything, I hope that two years from now, we're looking at this and it's just a straight upward slope of that arm strength really fully returning for him. Sarah, I want to ask you uh, a question, and I'm going to put you on the spot for it a little bit, so I apologize. Um, so we have arm strength metrics now, and we've known, you know, we, we know things like where a, an outfielder is on the field and what their route was and things like that. We also have the sprint speed of batters when they're on the move around the bases. Do you think we're getting close to being able to if not like fully quantified to a decimal point or anything, but at least be able to say, yes, this was a good base running risk to take, or no, this wasn't a good base running risk to take based on, you know, Hey, this is what the fielder's arm is. This is what your sprint speed is. This is where the the fielder was. Um, You obviously can't do that in real time. If you're a first base coach or a third base coach, but after the fact, I feel like we're not too far from being able to do that. Maybe. Absolutely. I mean, I think I would just guess, and obviously I have no actual knowledge of this, but I would guess that front offices are already doing that, knowing this information. I mean, I know on Yes Network, sometimes they show arm strength of the outfielders with a little uh, a stoplight. So it's green, yellow, and red, should you go on this guy. So Marcelo Zuna, who doesn't have a great arm, would be green, go. And then Ronald Acuna Jr. on the opposite end would be red, do not go. He has the best outfield arm. So I do think when teams are reviewing plays after the fact, they are close to having enough information to really make that assessment. Oh, this is Bobby Witt Jr. He's really fast. This left fielder does not have much of an arm. This was worth trying to take that extra base, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's that makes sense. And certainly the teams would be ahead of us, but I want to do it. I want to be able to be like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. last night yeah. was a 20% chance of getting a second base. Not worth it in that situation. I want to be able to put numbers behind my uh, my opinion, Sarah. Um, last night, I love it. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. last night did run into a, a bad out at second base. And, and I use that not to ask about that specific one and how we'd quantify it. But big picture, you look at the whole season, the Toronto Blue Jays have the worst base running metrics of any playoff bound team. And we can look at that a couple different ways. We can use the fan graphs one. We can look at, at sprint speed. We can break it down by what extra bases you take, where you make outs on the base paths and things like that. Um, how important or how not unimportant, but, but I guess on the scale of, you know, hitting's important, pitching's important, fielding is probably more important than, than base running as well. Does it concern you at all that this late in a season, a, a playoff bound team is having trouble navigating some of those base running decisions? It does a bit because if you look at teams that have been successful over the last few years, good base running tends to be something that really helps. You know, I think of the Giants last year when they surprised everybody 
one of their calling cards was not making out on the basis. And that comes down to something that, as we're kind of alluding to, is sort of within your control. Not entirely, you never know, but it comes down to that decision-making. And the other team I think of is the Yankees last year were a horrible defensive, uh, I'm sorry, base running team by every metric. And that ended up kind of coming back to bite them and was something they really worked on, uh, you know, bettering this year. So it is concerning, but as long as you can hit home runs in the playoffs these days, that does help you a lot. And this is a team that is going to be able to do that. So Sarah, I don't, you mentioned the playoffs. I set you up for the playoffs there. We don't, I don't know for sure if we'll get to talk to you again before the playoffs. We'll, we'll see how uh, your schedule plays out and what the wild card schedule is. Um, so let's let's just kind of take the temperature on it right now. We know that the Yankees, the Astros, and the Guardians are in. We know that it's very, very likely that the Jays, the Rays, and the Mariners are in, and the Orioles just have kind of a fractional chance here. Um, is there anything you're looking for from any of these teams over this last week that, that you're curious about or, or could change your opinion on them? Or are you pretty set in how you'd maybe tier these teams heading into the playoffs? Um, it's a good question. You know, I mean, the Mariners have really been concerning lately, the way they've been playing, obviously, without Hilary Rodriguez lately. I don't think the Orioles are going to make that run and take that spot, but you know, we'll have to see. I mean, I feel like for a lot of teams right now, it's sort of what they're dealing with with Julio, you know, a couple guys coming back from injuries, how much are they going to impact in October? Are they going to be at full train and sort of figuring out from there? But, I mean, I'm very excited to watch the Blue Jays in the playoffs, and I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, even if you were, I'd appreciate it. Um, that's, uh, you know, you come on Toronto radio, you want to, uh, you want to play up the, the Toronto crowd. That's, that's totally okay. You're, you're allowed to do that. Um, last one for you, Sarah, before I let you go, uh, the Jays are in control of potentially like if the Jays went out, they will be the home team in the wild card. How big a factor do you expect home field to be? Um, we obviously don't have a precedent for this, but three games all in one location is, uh, is a totally new thing. I mean, I've heard that Toronto crowd on games I've watched, and uh, I find it very hard to believe that that won't be a huge factor. We'll have to see. The only borderline precedent we have is 2020, but of course there were no fans in the stands. I think, just thinking back to the Walker game last year, you know, I'm thinking of Chris Taylor with the walk-off home run in L.A., that kind of thing. I think the fans will probably make sure they make an impact, but it's going to be really interesting to see. But certainly if you're a team, that's the spot you want to be in. So it's a good thing to be able to control. Absolutely. Um, One thing we'll try to control, Sarah, I I mean, I can't promise you you'll get to hear the Roger Center crowd, uh, but I can promise you that if you'd like to come on and help us preview that series when we know who the Jays are playing, we would gladly have you uh, have fun with the, the new StatCast tool, and we'll talk to you again soon. 
Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, Sarah Langs of MLB.com, of Ballpark Dimensions, of Baseball Tonight. Uh, again, you can go over to BaseballSavant.com. You can uh, play around with that new tool. Um, got a question from Mando on Twitter. Um, asks about Bo arm speed. Um, it is 1.2 miles per hour below the average throw from shortstop on average. However, despite his average throw being um, below average, he's above the median. He's 21st out of 49 qualified shortstops um, in terms of arm strength there. So uh, not where you want it to be, but not terrible either. And this is kind of the story with Bobachet's defense this year is some of the metrics are like, yeah, he's, he's fine. He's getting there. And then some of them just kind of pull you back a little bit. So um We'll have to to monitor that stuff. Um, obviously, we have to completely derail the baseball show right now because Raptors 905 made a big trade. Um, they have acquired Christian Vital. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch for the 905. Also, at, while I'm while I'm half joking about basketball here, we're going to take a break in a second and then talk to Keith McPherson on the other side. Uh, the Canadian women in the FIBA World Cup are in the quarterfinals tonight against Puerto Rico. Uh, that one goes at 12.30 on Sportsnet. So make sure you check that out. Um, the women had an awesome, awesome group stage. Savannah Hamilton and Javon Shepard have been excellent with their studio analysis pre, halftime, and post. Um, Shauna Thorburn is on the call. She's a former Canadian women's national team player. Um, the broadcast is, is really good. Her and our Australian partner. Uh, can't recommend staying up for those ones enough. You could... Uh, Roll right from celebrating the Blue Jays clinching a playoff spot into watching the Canadian women hopefully put themselves in a position to medal at the World Cup, which would be a huge deal for that program. Uh, Let's take a break. Then we'll get back to baseball. We'll talk to Keith McPherson. We'll go over tonight's lineups. We'll look at the pitching matchup in a little more detail. And maybe we'll play around with those StatCast things a little bit more. Uh, So keep any questions you have coming to 590-590. We're back next with Keith McPherson on Jays Talk Plus on Sports at 590 The Fan. Welcome back to Jays Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. If you were worried that one day after celebrating a division title that the Yankees would rest key guys today. I don't have the whole lineup, but our pal Lindsey Adler passes on that. Aaron Judge is back in the lineup and hitting leadoff. No rest day for him. So I will get one more chance. Well, all of us could get one more chance to see uh, historic number 61. Of course, that can only come in a Toronto Blue Jays win as they try to clinch on their own. Um, to talk with us about the Yankees, about celebrating that, and uh, we're going to talk. I, I'm going to make them talk a little Brooklyn Nets later because I have some thoughts on their their media day. It's uh, Keith McPherson of Off Base on MLB Network of WFan 660 of Talking Nets. Are you ever not on the air, man? <laughs> right now, uh, I'm off, but I'm booked with you guys. Thanks for having me, and uh, I have the lineup if you want it. Oh no, nah, I'll get it's to it. It's been. Yeah. Oh, there it is, right there. They, they just tweeted out. So um, not a lot of off days at all. I, I kind of thought we'd get, you know, there's no Rizzo in there. I kind of thought we'd get the, we celebrated a little too hard. We got to rest a couple guys lineup today. Yeah, you kind of did. If you take a look, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a B lineup, but judge, man, they can't judge is going to want to play. He's going to demand to play. <laughs> 
But you've got Oswaldo Cabrera in there. You've also got the other rookie, Oswald Peraza, in there. You've got Marwin Gonzalez in there, Tim LaCastro, Aaron Hicks. That's the B lineup. Yeah, I guess so. I, I initially only noticed no Rizzo, but also no Stanton, no Glaber Torres. So maybe they did. Maybe they did get into it. I, I guess this is uh, having had Josh Donaldson here in Toronto. My head immediately was like, look for Josh Donaldson's name. If it's in there, they didn't go hard last night. But Donaldson's in there. <laughs> um, yeah, he probably wants to play and get right in his old stomping grounds. He's been over. He has been, and, you know, it looks like, you know, maybe the bat speed is, is not quite there. He's cheating a little bit to, to keep up with fastballs. Um, I, I guess while we're on Donaldson, it, it, this wasn't my, my lead topic initially, but um, do you think that he has lost the step of the plate in a way that can't come back, or is that something that he can, you know, figure out in time for this team? He still has it. I've seen it, but his swing and his approach is all timing and a lot of guessing, and uh, he's a little older now, so it's just not as consistent. But he's been hot. He, like, he's cooled off, but when he first came back from paternity leave, congrats to him. He's got two little girls now. He was on a mission. He was on a tear. He was getting base hits in home runs, and uh, it's still there. And I think that's what the Yankees are hoping for. You know, They love him at third base, his defense, but they're hoping that his bat is there in October. Absolutely. And I, I believe if I'm remembering right, I believe those kids are half Canadian as well. I think his uh, his partner is someone he met while he was here. Um, so the bigger story from last night, not Josh Johnson, it's that the Yankees clinched the division um, for Yankees fans. And I know you have your your finger on the pulse of that group. Um, how big an exhale was that after such a hot start and then such a difficult second half for this group? I think it was a relief. I don't know how much of an exhale it was because we got out to such a fast start, right? The Yankees were being compared to the 1998 Yankees. They were winning at like a 750 clip. So from the beginning of the season, Yankees fans were like, okay, we've got a lead. The lead got up to 15 games. Uh, what it was was that slight collapse, right? They, the lead got down to two and a half games when we were facing Tampa. And for two months, the Yankees struggled. They had injuries guys in and out of the lineup, getting swept, losing series. So I think the feeling for the fans was just like, okay, they didn't all the way collapse. They didn't all the way fall out of it. They did it. And uh, with this year being the first year of this bye in the postseason, right, this new postseason format where uh, the top two seeds get a bye, the Astros are the one seed, the Yankees are able to secure the second seed, and that is the relief. Yeah, it's big time. And, you know, no matter how good a team you are, you don't want to play in a three-game series. It's it's too like I was looking at the Dodgers game logs earlier, and they've lost like nine or ten three-game series over the course of this year, and that team's going to finish with maybe a seven hundred win percentage. So, uh, yeah, the ability to avoid that three-gamer uh, is huge. The fact that the Yankees clinched it in Toronto, I, I know some people might prefer you clinch it at home. Your home fans get to celebrate it. Some people might prefer to clinch it on the road against a divisional foe and a team you might see in the playoffs, kind of, kind of send that message um, and, and, you know, kind of put that in front of them that, that you are better and you did clinch on their turf and things like that. Uh, where do you land on it? Would you have rather them clinch that at, at home? Are you cool with it being against a, a team you could see again soon? 
clinching is clinching. We'll have the party Friday night in the Boogie <laughs> Down Bronx. That's already scheduled Friday <laughs> night when they come back. We'll be celebrating in, in New York then. But clinching is clinching. And I think it was kind of sweeter to do it in Toronto because a lot of Yankees fans read every, you know, baseball broadcaster and analyst say that the Blue Jays were going to win this division. They were the favorites to win this division. And uh, to clinch in the Rogers Center, I, I feel like it all came full circle. And uh, the night before with Vladdy saying, this is my house, <laughs> this is my house. It was awesome for the, the next day, the Yankees to be celebrating in Vladdy's house. Man, I, I assume you heard Michael Kay's call of it, right? The, the it's nice of Vlad <laughs> to let the Yankees celebrate in his house. Um, not, not my yeah. favorite moment as a Jays person, but uh, shout out to Michael Kay. That was, that was a, that was a good one. Maybe we'll see a little bit more juice from, from the Jays because of that. Um, so this Yankees team, though, I know that they've had some some low lows and some tough injury luck and, you know, some turnover at the trade deadline. At this point in time, though, what is your sense of kind of the overall vibe in that clubhouse? Because it does seem like despite the ups and downs, they have a pretty good and and tight knit group. Aaron Judge seems like a good kind of quieter leader. Um, you've got guys like Nestor Cortez and Oswaldo Cabrera, who everyone seems to like. Um, is this a team that, that has weathered the ups and downs um, from a like team cohesion perspective? Do you think? Yeah, I think this is a team that has had some exits from the postseason over the last five years from 2017, where they were ahead of schedule, right? Judge was on that team. Sevy was on that team and, they got to game seven of the ALCS. And then in 2018, they were bounced in the division series by the Red Sox. 2019, bounced in game six of the ALCS against the Astros. 2020, it was the ALCS against Tampa. 2021, it was the wild card against the Red Sox. I feel like this team has learned a lot from that. Uh, there's veterans on this team now. The team obviously goes as Judge goes. He's the best player on the team in the league, the MVP. But there are pieces that have been added to this team, like Anthony Rizzo, who's a World Series champion. Josh Donaldson, who's an MVP all-star. John Carlos Stanton, who is uh, an MVP in his own right. Um, even guys like Harrison Bader, who's just a young, hungry guy that adds a spark to this team. Oswaldo Cabrera, who's a, a, a rookie, has only been here for a month. He's added a spark to this team. Glaber Torres has been uh, a great postseason performer for the Yankees the last few years. I feel like this is a year that they put it together, and the most important—the most important part for me—is that they have more pitching this year than they've had in the years before. They certainly do, and that's uh, you know that's a little scary for a playoff series on, on top of the the Aaron Judge factor of it all. Um, let's pivot to Judge though, because this week, you know, obviously the Yankees clinched and, and the Jays could clinch tonight, but. Really, we're all on Aaron Judge watch right now, and um, he's at seven games now without a home run. Jays intentionally walk him in extras Monday, walk him four times yesterday. Um, where are you at just as a Yankees fan? Like, how anxious are you getting about Judge's chase for 61 and 62? I got over it last Saturday. I went to the game Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I saw how many casuals were in the building. <laughs> I saw how many, you know, Extra New York City people, media members uh, were there in attendance to see it happen. It, it kind of got played out for me. I am all in on the Triple Crown watch. I, I want this guy to be the Triple Crown winner. He's going to get 61. He's going to get 62, I believe, in the next week or two that are left. But I'm kind of over the whole, oh, is he going to hit it now? Is he going to hit it now? Especially with the live check-ins and uh, 
all the social media stuff. Hashtag Aaron Judge has a gavel next to it now. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm kind of over the hype. Uh, I, I wanted this team to win, and they did. Last week, there was extra people in the stadium, which Yankee Stadium always sells out. But there was probably 45, 44,000 people on average at each game. And uh, that was because of the Judge hype. And the team stole the show. Guys like Glaber Torres, John Carlos Stanton, Donaldson, Bader, Rizzo, they, they stole the show, and they came to play. And they hit the home runs. Judge wasn't hitting the home runs. Aaron Hicks even hit a home run before Judge. Hmm. Uh, I think the team took the opportunity to have a seven-game win streak with all of this going on, right? When Judge hit 58 and 59, that was in Milwaukee. They won that game, and they went on to win six more, and then that just got snapped in Toronto, game one of this series. Okay, so let me ask you. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. We're going to learn something about you. So the Triple Crown is big, obviously, and no one's catching Aaron Judge for home runs. Probably, uh, let's just say, it. He, Jose Ramirez is nine RBI behind. I, I don't think he's he's going to catch that with any likelihood. The batting average race is really close, though. Judge comes in at 314 right now. Luisa Rise at 313. Xander Bogarts at 310. And then a handful of other guys over 300. Let's say it's the last day of the season. Judge has 62 Obviously, the RBI thing is wrapped up, and he's in the lead for batting average. You sit him for the final game to lock in the Triple Crown? They very well could do that. I thought they were going to sit him today. I am shocked that they did not rest him today with an off day because all season we have seen the Yankees give Judge what we call double rest. He's DHing today, so I guess that's some rest. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did sit him down and then lock in the triple crown. I think he's just going to win it anyway. Like, yeah. you know, Xander Bogarts went over yesterday, and Luis Arise, those guys are out of it. Who knows what he's going to end up doing? Judge is going to lead the way. He's going to have the most at bats. He's at the top of the order. He is so disciplined. He doesn't chase. He's so locked in on his strike zone, and uh, I think he's going to get it. He wants to get it. He's a, a student of the game a historian of the game. I'm sure he wants that triple crown as well as the home run record. It would be cool to double dip like that too. Um, one more on judge before we move off, uh, off judge and talk some talk about Jay's Yankees, a potential playoff uh, matchup, but I'm, I'm at the game tonight. I was at the last two nights in left field. Um, I'm in left field again tonight. If you're me and I catch number 61, what are you doing with it? Take it and go home, leave. That's Think it, about eh? it. Sleep on it. Wake yeah. up the next day. See what social media is saying about it. <laughs> There's already someone out there that put a $2 million bid on that ball. So you know you got two mil at least. But uh, I wouldn't make any rash decisions. And I, and being the home team, I wouldn't I wouldn't conference with the Yankees in there about it. I, I would take that ball and I would leave. Well, the market being set at $2 million ahead of time gives you huge leverage, right? Like if the Yankees want it or Judge wants it, someone already putting $2 million out there. I'll tell you this, man, if, if, it's, uh, if I catch it and the price tag is $2 million and we get Jay's Yankees in the postseason, uh, you know, your tickets are on me, man. We'll, we'll lock that in right now. You, you come up here and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll sit in the good seats. Um, so the rest of this Yankees team, I, I know we've kind of – talked about some of what's going right for them. And I, I want to dig in a little bit more on the offense. And, um, you know, they're, they're the odd listener that, that'll be like, oh, stop talking about the Yankees. Well, this is a very, this is potentially a playoff matchup, not just a clinching scenario tonight. Um, when you look at the offense around Aaron Judge, it's been about two months now where it's been Judge and then an average to slightly below average group around him. You mentioned earlier that the pitching's really strong and that gives you some confidence 
is this team going to hit enough? And, and man, it feels weird to ask that about a team that has Rizzo and Donaldson and Torres and Stanton. But this is some, this, these are some extended skids for these guys. Um, can Aaron, will Aaron judge get enough support around him? And will the starting pitching get enough support around it uh, to make a deep run here? Yeah, check out that Yankees run differential. They will. Uh, while they struggled, the only consistent was Judge. Judge carried this team while they struggled. He walked off games. He won some games for the Yankees uh, at the plate and saving runs in the outfield. But now, with all this attention on him chasing 61, everybody else has stepped up. Glaber Torres has been hot. He's been hitting over 400. Glaber Torres was hitting around 180 coming out of the uh, All-Star break. You know, guys like Rizzo coming back. Rizzo was out. He had a few issues. He had headaches. He had back issues. But now Rizzo is back. He had a home run last week. He looks good. Uh, Stanton, we don't know what we're going to get out of him. But in October, Stanton has been clutch. And Glaber has been clutch. And I think Josh Donaldson has that clutch gene as well. Uh, there's enough talent around him. Oswaldo Cabrera. Even our catcher, Jose Trevino. He's been clutch. He's had some hits that have won games for the Yankees. Harrison Bader will get on, steal a base. Like There is enough around Aaron Judge where he just has to focus on being the leadoff hitter, and maybe not even. DJ LeMay is on the men. You know, there was talk that he might be activated today. Uh, he'll probably be activated this weekend. they got to find out what he can do, what he has. But that was our leadoff hitter for the last few years. So there is plenty of talent around Aaron Judge that can get it done. I do not expect the bats to go quiet in October like they have in past years. Uh, this is a, a much better lineup and a much better team around him. On the other side, you've seen the Jays the last two days. You've seen them uh, 18 times heading into tonight. Um, what are your impressions of the Jays? I, I know Yankees fans are, are kind of quick to be like, oh, well, the Jays were the favorites and, and the Yankees took the division. It wasn't all that close. That's one thing. Um, but when you look at this Jays team and where they're at right now, and they've kind of been, you know, Vlad hasn't gone all world like he was last year, but otherwise this team's been pretty effective over the last two months. Um, would you want to try to avoid that team? Obviously you don't pick your opponent, but um, do they put any fear into you at all? What, what do you make of the Jays headed into the postseason here? I've looked at the Jays for the last few years as the baby blue Jays. They're coming, they're on the way. They're going to be a pest. They're going to be a pain to deal with. I love Bo Bichette. We had him on, off base, I got to interview him, and I just was telling him, like, you're a dog, bro. I've seen you <laughs> win games by yourself. He's scary. Vladdy is scary. I was in Yankee Stadium this season when he hit three home runs. I'm like, stop pitching to him. <laughs> um, you don't want to get into a postseason series with these guys, right? They added Matt Chapman and Whit Merrifield, and George Springer loves to tear up the Yankees. So I would like to avoid them, and I think we will. I don't want to see Tampa or – Toronto because they know we, we just it's too familiar right um, we know each other too well and uh, I look at I look at the Blue Jays as like hey they are still developing they are still becoming a um, couple plays last night that gave you that feeling right like uh, Bo Bichette not being on the bag or Vladdy not running it out and it's like they're still young they're still becoming who they're gonna be right now it's the Yankees time they're not becoming they have guys over 30 plenty guys over 30 on this team they're in win now mode the uh, Toronto Blue Jays are still kind of becoming the team that they're going to be. And they can make some noise in this postseason and, and be ahead of schedule. All right. I want to ask you one basketball one before I let you go. And, and I know this is a baseball show, but I also know you're a big Brooklyn Nets guy. Um, so 
the Nets pluck Yuta Watanabe from the Raptors. Uh, a heads up ahead of time. There will be a Japanese media contingent following the Yuta Watanabe story as long as he's in Brooklyn. Um, how? how I met him all on Monday. Yeah. I was, so this is where I'm going with this is how awkward was it to watch Kessler Edwards have to sit there next to Yuta the whole time as Yuta's answering questions in Japanese? To me, so I, they interviewed me. And uh, <laughs> I only know a little bit that I've read about him in the last month or so. But they're asking me, how's he going to fit with the team? And I'm like, if he's going to make the team, if he's going to be, you know, I don't, I don't, we don't know that. Um, we, we, the, the Brooklyn Nets def, definitely need bigs. They need guys that can rebound, play defense. If he comes in and he's like a lunch pail guy, a gritty guy, and he's down to just, you know, do that type of work, they've got plenty of guys that can score it. Um, I think he'll find a, a, a place on this team. You know, the Nets have relied on guys that nobody else was looking at. Like last year, they had DeAndre Bembry in there, uh, James Johnson in there. They had to uh, take on Andre Drummond. He played a little bit. Uh, even before that, like they, they had some guys in the rotation that like nobody else is really checking for. So we'll see what Utah does. But, yeah, he's definitely got the uh, Japanese media following him, rooting for him, and uh, I don't mind it. It was, it was kind of awkward for Kess because Kess is a guy who contributed last year and I think he's going to take a step forward this year. But uh, Utah looked like he was outshining him. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, I, I like big cast, but I like Utah too. So it was, uh, it was funny to see. It was amusing to keep an eye on. Um, hope Utah fits there. He he was very well liked here. He's a, he's a really nice dude. So, uh, and I think he's got some games. So maybe like Benbury and James Johnson, two other former Raptors, uh, he finds a home there. Uh, Keith McPherson, thanks so much for taking the time out, man. Uh, love off base. Love all the work you're doing at MLB Network and Talking Nats and W Fan. Uh, hopefully, talk to you again soon in the ALCS. Hey, maybe you never know. Good luck to you guys, and uh, we'll see what happens tonight. You might be able to take this series tonight, and uh, we'll see how the uh, tournament lines up. All right, man. Thanks so much, Keith McPherson, uh, off base on MLB Network, also at W Fan Six Sixty in New York, and Talking Nets. A man of uh, two sports, not unlike myself. Uh, he's he's as fired up for basketball season as he is for this baseball playoff run here. Small update from down at the park from our pal Arden Zwelling. Uh, the Blue Jays are hoping to have Lourdes Gurriel Jr. running the bases by Friday. Uh, the hope is still to get him into games before the postseason. Running out of time a little bit, but... It's good that he's going to run the bases on Friday if all goes well. Santiago Espinal is uh, doing some T work in the batting cages as he works his way back from uh, an oblique issue as well. Um, John Schneider also told media that uh, about the comment, we talked to Caleb McGrath earlier and John Schneider had said he was going to talk to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. about uh, the base running gaff last night and, and general attention to detail. Uh, our pal Keegan Matheson of MLB.com passes on that Schneider spoke with Vlad um, after the game last night and that it was a productive talk. Um, and, and John Schneider's message was he has too much talent to let other stuff get in the way, which is a, a good way to frame it to him. I, I'm, you know, I, I generally believe that communicating tough love is, especially with, you know, elite athletes, you got to find a way to 
stroke the ego in it a little bit. And that's uh, that's a nice way to handle it is you are you're this isn't that you made a mistake or, or that you're a bad base runner. It's actually you're too good to make mistakes. So stop doing it. Uh, I like that. By the way, as Keith mentioned, uh, we get a little bit of a B lineup from the Yankees tonight. Aaron Judge is in there. Josh Donaldson's in there, but a lot of regulars out. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, Gleyber Torres, Giancarlo Stanton, Jose Trevino. They celebrated last night. I don't know what they did. I don't know if they just kept it in the the clubhouse or what, but this is a, this is a down day for the Yankees. Um, not entirely, a, not by any means a concession. They still have Garrett Cole on the mound. They still have Aaron Judge at the top of the lineup. Um, but with an off day tomorrow, they get a double double down day for a couple of their key guys. And then they're in a position where their playoff seat is basically locked. Uh, they can uh, kind of just chill the rest of the way. Focus on getting healthy. Focus on, you know, getting guys in a, in a groove. Keith mentioned Josh Donaldson might want to be in the lineup instead of sitting one like this out so he can continue to try to rediscover his swing and get that bat speed back or, or get that eye back a little bit that's been missing lately. And Aaron Judge obviously has some uh, pretty big statistical milestones that he wants to stay in the lineup for. Uh, the Jays have pretty much their usual lineup. We'll get to the lineups after a break. We'll go take a look at Garrett Cole, take a look at Mitch White, take a look at the lineups, and take a look at your texts at 590-590 when we return on Jays Talk Plus on Sports at 590 The Fan. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays, Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Jays Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. That is a deep pull for me. Not a lot of songs about clinching. That's the clincher by Chevelle. The Jays can clinch a playoff spot tonight by beating the New York Yankees and getting some help with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, they need to lose to the Red Sox. Timing might la- line up perfectly. We may not know when the Jays game ends, if they have clinched or not, even if they've won. Jays at 7.07, Red Sox Orioles at 7.10, and uh, the Red Sox love a nice slow game. So we'll see. We'll see. The game tonight is at 7.07. Ben Wagner and Arden Zwelling on the call for you on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Before we get into tonight's lineups and the pitching matchup, there's some text in the text line. You can keep them coming to 590-590. Vince in Aurora says, I have to be honest, Blake. As a huge fan of this team, I never miss a game, but this is one I'm willing to skip. Can't put myself through another Mitch White start. Vince, of all the games to skip, one where they could clinch a playoff spot? Come on. Also, Mitch White is not that bad. Like, he's gotten bad a couple times, and he's had a couple bad outings. Absolutely. They're going to ask him to go through the order twice. It's not that big a deal. And maybe the bats come around, and you get a, you get a win, and Mitch White gives up the home run to Aaron Judge. We'll see. Um, but no, this is a clincher. You got to watch. You don't want to be when the Jays are deep into the playoffs or you're looking back on this era or whatever. Hey, where were you when the Jays clinched their first spot back to the playoffs? And you're like, oh, I didn't watch that game. I tapped out. No way, man. You're watching, Vince. 
Vince, you're a Jays fan enough to be listening to Jays Talk Plus. You're watching the game. Let's be be honest with yourself. Uh, Chris in Orangeville asks, what happens to the judge home run ball if it happened tonight but landed in the bullpen? Does it just get handed back or would a player in the bullpen get to keep it and sell it? Uh, I think it would break a lot of unwritten rules in baseball if uh, a Jays reliever tried to keep the ball or extort Aaron Judge for it. I'm sure there'd be some sort of gift of thanks, but I think you'd be uh, you'd be risking some disdain from your peers if you try to pocket that ball. A couple more questions in the text line. Uh, Chris from Guelph asks, "Why are we celebrating the fact that the Jays made the playoffs? Isn't the goal to win the division of the World Series?" Once again, as Toronto fans, we're happy celebrating the mediocre. Um, Chris, this is this is more common in baseball than it is in other sports. Like baseball teams celebrate making the postseason. Some of that is that tradition hasn't caught up to the new playoff format. Baseball is the most restrictive sport in terms of how many teams make the playoffs and what percentage of the league. This is the hardest sport to make the playoffs in. Historically, winning the pennant was a huge thing. You're right. Winning the division is big, but... Making the playoffs is big too. It's uh, again, it's the hardest part to do it in. I would argue, I would agree with you to the extent that this isn't worth celebrating as if, you know, you don't want to hang the arrested development mission accomplished George Bush banner, but it's okay to give yourself a, a nod of, okay, we did the thing that we were expected to do. That part of the mission is accomplished. And, Now we have bigger things ahead. I think it's okay to do a a page turner thing like that. Cam from Bethany asks, what does judge or the Yankees offer for that ball that beats 2 million? Um, I don't know. I think there are rules in the CBA against a player giving you money. That's why any, in these scenarios, you always hear about merchandise and uh, charitable donations. I don't know what they could give you. $2 million uh, is a lot of money. I have no concept of what $2 million could get you. Um, I've never even looked at the housing market in Toronto. I don't know. Um, Does it change that for me? I'm not sure. But yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to know what would match $2 million. If that $2 million thing is legitimate. Matt from Chatham asks, um, if Toronto has home field wrapped, does it not make sense to throw Manoa in the first game of the ALCS? If you win, go with Stripling or Brios game two, then Gosman for game three or game one of the ALCS. Um, Matt, I've been asked some form of this a couple times. I am not in favor of it. I think you throw your best guys the first two games if you can. And... There are a couple reasons why. One is there is a benefit to sweeping. You get an extra day of rest. You don't have to use your bullpen. Gosman then, instead of pitching on Sunday, has pitched on Saturday. So he's available a day earlier in the next series. The second part of it is if you use a lesser starter in game two and it doesn't go well, that's a tax on your bullpen. So let's say you have Manoa, Gosman, games one and two. They both give you seven innings. So your bullpen's only been used for four innings heading into game three. 
Whereas, so they're pretty fresh. They're in good shape. If you need to hook Barrios or hook Stripling early, your bullpen's in good shape. Manoa gives you seven in game one. The starter struggles in game two. Suddenly, game three, if Gosman gets in trouble, or even if he gives you a good start, that's a that's a heavily worked bullpen from the day prior. And maybe your relievers aren't in as good a spot. The third part of this, and this is probably like the most important, is some pitchers, this isn't universal for all pitchers, and I haven't talked to each Jays pitcher individually enough to, to know where they stand on it, but there are a lot of starting pitchers who are very, very meticulous about their between starts routine and what they do the evening before start and the day of a start to where, I don't know if Kevin Gosman or Jose Brios or, or Ross Stripling or Alec Manoa, I don't know what their feeling would be about not knowing if you're starting the next day until later. I think that in the playoffs, yeah, you, you got to do what you got to do and, and you have to maximize things. But I think you start making those concessions when it's back against the wall and you need a guy, you know, things are going poorly. You don't force those things on your guys when things are going well. Um, I just, it really just comes down to, I want my best guys out there as early as possible. I want those wins as early as possible. And then you get, those guys earlier again in the next series and maybe your bullpen's in better shape for it. I, I just think there are a lot of reasons to just throw your best guys when you have them. Uh, Roger in the nine Oh five says this is the first time in his life cheering for the Red Sox because uh, they've got the, the clinch scenario tonight. Um, he asks as well, should they start giving guys uh, some rest despite that home field? Um, part of it is Luis Gurriel jr. And Santiago Espinal aren't back yet. And the bench is a little bleak without them. You know, you're, you're talking about getting playing time for Bradley Zimmer, Gabriel Moreno, uh, Jackie Bradley jr. The, those type of guys are the guys coming in. Um, also, I, I think it's important to get home field. Like I would rather prioritize getting home field early on the early end of things and set up the rotation, than get a position player an extra day off here and there. Vincent Aurora texts in, yes, I'm right. He will be watching after all. Um, Adam and Milton says, I don't understand all the Mitch White hate. Also, the Jays have Garrett Cole's number. Uh, I don't really either. He's had a couple bad outings. He's also been thrown in a spot where, you know, he was, uh, he was a swing man. He was up and down from the minors. He was traded. He's had a pretty tumultuous season. And, and through all that, he's trying to work on his pitch mix and uh, change some things with his delivery. Look, the results haven't been there. But I'm not out on Mitch White. I just think, again, to to the point I made earlier, I, I think a lot of what I'm high on Mitch White about is longer term. What can he work on this offseason? What can he come back as next year? Um, it just hasn't been, you know, this is the the problem with getting dealt to a team in a playoff push. The terms of your season get changed pretty quickly. The terms of your development get changed. As for the Jays having Garrett Cole's number, seven runs off of him over 11 and two-thirds innings in two starts this year. That's not bad. We'll get into some of the individual matchups with Garrett Cole in just a little bit here. couple more texts first. Adam and Guelph says he's skipping my best friend's son's first birthday to watch the potential clinch game never tap out. I'm with you on the never tap out. I didn't realize that your friend's son's birthdays were events um 
Oops, sorry to all my friends who have kids that I didn't go home to Cambridge uh, to celebrate those. Um, lots of texts in the text line today. I, I don't think we're going to get to a lot of them, so I apologize to those who texted in uh, about that. John in Burlington, and, and I picked this one out because we're about to give you the lineups, and John in Burlington says... You need to understand the manager sets the tone for discipline. You don't hustle, you get benched. Send a message to the rest of the team. John, the issue with that is that there's a, at some point it's cutting off your nose to spite your face. And what I mean by that is if you bench Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to send a message about the hustle, your team is in a worse position today to win the game. And worsening your chances of winning a game to make a point about having worsened your chances of winning a game, um, maybe in maybe early in the year, but they need to win right now. They need to clinch a playoff spot. They need to clinch home field advantage. You got to do it. Um, and that's not, I mean, they're not benching them tonight. So they're, they're obviously in line with me on that one. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a tough one. I don't, I don't think, the situation allows you to bench a guy who's so important to your chances of winning when you really need wins right now. Um, Christian says spur of the moment on his way to the game. There you go. I, uh, I hope you enjoy it. Hope you have a good time. Um, good point from Chris and Cordis. Um, he says Bichette and Guerrero both come from baseball backgrounds. They should know better. Biggio comes from a baseball background. Um, yeah, that's that's part of the frustration and, and you know something I've gone back and forth with about the John Schneider coach these guys to championships in the minors is man and I know they're young and I know again this is something that Nick Nurse has talked about a lot on the basketball side that it's not like this idea that guys are going to be locked in 48 minutes a game 82 games a year is just not realistic like it, it's you're going to have a, a mental lapse here and there but this time of year it's a little disappointing to, to see still coming up. Not the end of the world, but certainly um, worth the conversation. Um, and Ryan and Janetville saying kind of the same thing with, with the Jays getting away with um, a lot of this stuff. Now, I want to zoom out from that because I don't want to keep it focused just on the discipline side of things and the, and the getting away with stuff or, or benching stuff. There's a larger issue here when it comes to specifically the base running and it's that the Blue Jays are a poor base running team and I don't know how much that's going to matter like you can you can insulate yourself from being a poor base running team by just getting more conservative you leave some stuff on the table that way but it's certainly better than leading the league and how many times you've run into an out at second base Jays are not, they're the worst base running team of any playoff teams by most of the ways we have to measure base running. So that to me is as big as any of the, you know, discipline or more um, kind of mentality of the team kind of stuff. Let's take a look at the lineup that's going to be out there tonight. And it doesn't include any benching. So here's what you got. George Springer will get a DH day to that earlier question about um, resting some guys. I believe that was Roger in uh, the 905. Um, so George Springer gets a, a DH day. 
at least. Um, Ian in Guelph says it's very promising. Springer seem more confident throwing and hitting for power. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's great. I still think you're gonna man it. Jeez, monitor it and manage it closely. I don't know if you know if they if they do something else. Like I, I, I just I'm not close enough to it to know if you know you give him another shot in there or what the status of that is. Um, but this is a guy who has a World Series MVP under his belt, who has a career 900 OPS in the playoffs. He's ready to go, and uh, I think that's a that's a a lot. Uh, Marion Guelph says that instead of benching the the guys who make the mistakes, they should have to clean up all the sunflower seeds in the dugout. Um, that's a good one. Um, Mary from Guelph shout out to the region. Um, okay. So George Springer is in a DH. That's the top of the lineup. Um, Bobachette, Vladimir Guerrero jr. Teoscar Hernandez back in the cleanup spot because it's an Alejandro Kirk off day, Matt Chapman, Rymel Tapia on left, Danny Jansen behind the plate, catching Mitch white Whit Merrifield at second, Jackie Bradley jr. Rounds it out and plays center. So your outfields Tapia, Jackie Bradley jr. Teoscar Hernandez, You've got a pair of lefties in there in Tapia and Jackie Bradley Jr. Whit Merrifield starts his eighth consecutive game. He's now pretty much an everyday guy with Santiago Espinal on the shelf. Uh, your bench is Zimmer, Moreno, Kirk, Biggio, and Otto Lopez, who I've had it confirmed to me. Multiple sources tell me Otto Lopez exists. I don't know. He might just be a name on a piece of paper. Um, still haven't seen him in action much. We're we're pushing four weeks of major league service time for him over the last two years, and he's still sitting on one plate appearance and I, I think one defensive substitution. Maybe if you get to Garrett Cole early, he can get some action tonight. It is Garrett Cole on the mound for the Yankees. Comes in with a 349 ERA. Component metrics that say that's about accurate. Um, he strikes out. About 33% of the batters he faces, pretty good walk rate. Now, something that has always been a Garrett Cole thing is when you allow fly balls, he's been a little homer prone. Some of that's where he's played in recent years. Some of that is you throw hard, it leaves the bat hard. However, he has been a little more blow-up prone this year. As someone texted in earlier and didn't sign, um, they have gotten to Cole a couple times this year. Seven earned runs over 11 and two-thirds innings in Cole's two starts, one in April, one in August. They got 12 base runners over 11 and two-thirds innings, so not great there. Um, Struck out 11 times. Overall, this Jays group has faced Garrett Cole for 195 plate appearances. It's one of his lowest strikeout rates against any opponent. So that's that's a little interesting to me that Cole hasn't struck out the Jays at his usual rate. Um, Jays have hit 267 off of him, slugged over 500. So pretty good results there. Matt Chapman, though, just four for 24 with 13 strikeouts against Garrett Cole. He's kind of the the exception there. Um, Bo Bichette struggled a little bit, five for 27. He has hit him for some power, though. Looking at the more positive side, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., 9 for 24 off of Garrett Cole. Pair of doubles, pair of home runs, pair of walks. Very good results there. That's a a weighted on base average of almost 500. So that's pretty good. Um, 375 batting average, 708 slugging. Could be a good Vlad night. Jackie Bradley Jr., 
pretty solid numbers against him uh, as well over a decent sample. Um, Tascar Hernandez has been fine against them. Whit Merrifield's ha- had some success against him. So you go down the lineup and there are some guys who, uh, who have had their way with, with Garrett Cole, uh, George Springer, another one hasn't faced him as much, but he's four for nine with two doubles. It's pretty good. The bigger thing here is not any one individual other than Vlad having a standout performance against him historically. It's that you don't have many of those spots where with the exception of Matt Chapman and Bo Bichette, you don't have the, well, Garrett Cole dominates this guy. And even Bichette and Chapman have homered off of him, have hit him for doubles. It's just a lot of strikeouts there as well. Be interesting to see how that goes down. Garrett Cole, of course, um, you you know him at this point. Um, Elite strikeout rate, Good chase rate, good whiff rate, good velocity, good spin on the fastball and the curveball, but he does get hit hard sometimes. Against righties, you're going to see fastball slider as heavy, heavy one, two, and then he'll mix in a cutter and a curveball. Against lefties, it's fastball heavy, very fastball heavy, and then he'll throw just about everything else as secondary. He'll go change up curveball, slider, cutter. It's the slider you've really got to watch out for from a swing and miss perspective. The curveball has a lot of spin to it, but it's been hit pretty well this year. And the fastball is a, if you can get to it, you can hit it hard. So only a 219 batting average against it, but 420 slugging. So that's uh, those are pretty good results. You don't mind that at all. The Yankee side of things is, as Keith McPherson put it with us earlier, the B lineup. Aaron Judge will still lead off. He's getting a designated hitter day. As they, as Keith pointed out, they have sometimes got him the double day off. So if you have an off day coming up, sit him the game before so he gets an extended rest because he's been in there a lot. He'll lead off. He'll DH. He's followed by Oswaldo Cabrera, Josh Donaldson, Oswald Peraza, Harrison Bader, Marwan Gonzalez, Kyle Higashioka, Tim LaCastro, and Aaron Hicks. If some of those names sound unfamiliar for this series, well, can't blame you. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa on the bench. Giancarlo Stan on the bench. Anthony Rizzo, bench. Glaber Torres, bench. Jose Trevino, bench. Five regulars out of the lineup for the Yankees in this one. Um, That also means that the only lefties that Mitch White will face are Oswaldo Cabrera, Marwin Gonzalez, Aaron Hicks, who are all switch hitters. Point that out because Mitch White... um, you know, fairly split neutral, but still worth keeping an eye on uh, because he does pitch differently to righties than he pitches to lefties, of course. Against righties, you're looking at slider number one, then fastball sinker. Against lefties, he's going fastball curveball slider. And then he'll mix in that changeup that he won't throw to righties against lefties. I still maintain that that's going to be a good pitch eventually. He just needs more time to work on it. Uh, the slider, his best weapon statistically, so far this year, Mitch White does come in with a monstrous ERA. Um, it's unfortunate he has not had a great time as a Blue Jay. There is some stuff there to work with, though. He doesn't, he has one of the best opponent hard hit rates in baseball. He doesn't give up a ton of hard contact. Uh, he just doesn't miss a lot of bats either, and that can lead to a lot of singles and doubles piling up, as we've seen. We'll see if he can do a little better tonight. Um, He has faced this Yankees team before 18 plate appearances against them. So twice through the order, Uh, they were six for 18 against them. No homers, no walks, but only two strikeouts. So kind of the Mitch white story, not missing a ton of bats, 
but not giving up anything easy, not giving up the long ball. Despite him getting hit around a little bit this year, he hasn't given up many home runs. That's been a consistent thing for him uh, in his career. So that's a positive. Um, And a couple of the Yankees who did hit him well in Jose Trevino and Isaiah Kiner-Faleva aren't in the lineup. Aaron Judge, of course, the guy to watch, two for two against him in his career, uh, did not homer, though, did not even have an extra base hit, so just two singles. We'll see if Aaron Judge is uh, satisfied with that tonight or if he's looking for number 61. This is going to be a fun one, I think. If you're the Blue Jays, you look at that Yankees lineup, you look at that celebration yesterday, you look at the fact that the Yankees don't have um, a boatload left to play for down the stretch here, this is an opportunity for you to take this series, take a win here, and then fire up uh, your MLB TV. See if uh, Red Sox Orioles is going in favor of Boston because that would mean you clinch a playoff spot. You've also got to keep an eye on Tampa Bay and Cleveland right now because you do want home field in that three-game series. You're game and a half up on Tampa. You're three up on Seattle. You've got six games to play after this one tonight. Um, so if you can push that back up to two and a half with six to go, you're pretty happy about that. Tampa Bay is at Cleveland. Seattle has Texas and Baltimore is at Boston. So uh, magic number down to two here. The Yankees already have the division locked up. We'll see if the Jays bounce back in a number of ways. We'll see if there is a little more, we'll say urgency, given that there were a couple mistakes last night a day after they had what we thought was maybe going to be a, a bit of a breakthrough performance with the Vlad walk-off. Uh, they, they erased a fair amount of that yesterday, but this is the beauty of baseball is there's always a game the next day, at least for the, for the next couple of weeks, there's a game uh, the next day. There is not a game tomorrow. We'll be back with you three to five though, for Jay's talk plus tomorrow. We'll set up the final two series of the season and take a look at this ale wild card um, bracket in a little more detail, Ben Ennis is going to have you next for drive time from down at the park. Ben Wagner and Arden Zwelling on the call, 707 first pitch. Blair and Barker with you for Jay's Talk post game. Again, Jay's Talk Plus back tomorrow, 3 to 5. Uh, a note while we're here, though, that after the Jay's game, after you're done watching the Jay's game down at the park or on Sportsnet or listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network, uh, you've got the Canadian women in the FIBA World Cup at 12.30 tonight as well. Savannah Hamilton and Javon Shepard will have you for studio uh, before that one, setting that one up for you. It's a really big deal uh, for the Canadian women to be in the quarterfinals of the World Cup and potentially headed to the semis where they'll have a, a chance to compete for a medal. So check that out after the Jays game. Again, it's Ben Ennis next. It's Mitch White against Garrett Cole. It's Aaron Judge going for number 61. And it's the Toronto Blue Jays with the opportunity to clinch a playoff spot tonight. They need a win. They need a Baltimore loss. You can only control one of those. We'll see how Mitch White bounces back. We'll see how Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette bounce back. We'll see you down at the park, and we'll see you tomorrow for Jays Talk Plus on Sports at 590, The Fan.